Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White, voted number one radio show by my mom and my mom's friends who haven't listened to it, but she promised them that it was good. And so I have their votes. Do I have yours? Oh, my friend, all I ask from you is that I borrow your ear for a little minute. We're making a parody of a David Lynch movie, so I need an ear. Then I'll give it right back. How do you understand, people, if you don't even share the same reality a lot of times? I can see not sharing the same memories. But what if you both remember different worlds? Man, that would be crazy. If possible worlds overlapped, we weren't all even living in the same town at the same time, really. Overlapping images. We're living in different layers. Turn here. Oh, jeez, give me more warning. Keep going. Left up here. Into the old mall? Yep. Ugh, creepy. What, are you gonna murder me? You wish. Turn left. Turn. There's a car coming. Now drive around to the other side where Manhowers used to be. This has to be the darkest, weirdest spot in town. Can you still even get around to the other side? I saw they were digging, could you turn that down? I saw they were digging up the parking lot. You can get around this way. Slow down. Now pull up facing that way and stop. Oh, you're totally gonna kill me. Now turn the engine off. Okay, what was there? The mall? Manhowers. No, not in the mall, in front of the mall, in the parking lot. Cars. No, not cars, what building? What do you mean? There was a building in the parking lot for a few years. They tore it down, but for a few years it was Lynch's, which was a family restaurant. I don't remember that. It was right here. When they built it, it was a big deal because most of the stores were inside the mall and it seemed weird at the time that there was a store in the parking lot, remember? No. No. Blue Register worked there even. I didn't know that. Did you ever even come to the mall? Oh, I came to the mall all the time, sure, but I don't remember a Finch's restaurant. Lynch's. It was maybe there three years. I have no idea why they tore it down. It had been closed for a while, and then was an empty building. But when they finally demolished it, it was hard to remember it was even there. Well, I sure don't remember. I don't mean you totally forget. I mean, it just takes sort of a minute to reorient. Why is it that some people remember there was a restaurant there and others don't? I don't remember that. I don't know. I don't know, man. Can we go? No. Give me a second. Okay. It would have been right around here somewhere. Hmm. This is the patio, and then the front door would have been, I think. Welcome to Lynch's. Can I take your order? You're weird looking. Yeah, yeah, weird. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Why are you thanking me? I 
I'm sorry. To be honest, I wasn't paying attention to what you were saying since I see someone I know. I'll be right back with your order. Hey. I didn't order anything yet. Hey, Butchie. What is this? Oh, it's clam night, so all the crazies come out. I mean, this is Lynch's. Yeah, that's Lynch's. What are you gonna do? You wanna be seated in my section? No. I was just leaving. Well, you need to use those free meal vouchers I gave you pretty soon. Word is, they might be closing, which is a shame because it's sort of where all the misfits come. Oh, huh, yeah. Misfits. Well, I'll see ya. Hey, you! It's Lou, you say the owl. See ya, Butch. Well, what'd you see out there, Butchie? Oh, nothing. Nothing? You stood there for a long time. Yeah, memories. Well, let's get out of here. It's creeping me out. Anchor Wat. The mall is? The mall is Anchor Wat. It's a 12th century Cambodian temple in a mid 19th century jungle reclaimed by the locals who happen to be vines and monkeys. And we're European explorers who got off on ruin and forgotten glory. It's for sure a temple. I know there's been literal churches. You in know it. what they call the big department stores on either end, right? What? Anchor stores. Which leads to the question Anchor what? Anchor Wat. It's prophecy. It is, though. It's planned obsolescence. It's born to die like fast clothes and fast furniture. The plan is that the minute you buy in, it starts dying and falling apart, so you'll always be in a state of need. Like a counterfeit watch. It runs until you get far away from the guy who sold it to you, then it craps out. Have you ever driven past an empty lot, and you realize there used to be a building there? and you're not quite sure when they tore it down. But you can see that they did, and you remember that there used to be a building there. It was there for years. Now, what if they built a building on an empty lot and it was only there for a couple years, and then they tore it down and it went back to being an empty lot? Conceivably, you might never notice that it was ever there. No matter how important that building was to the people who built it and were in it, you might miss the whole thing. Free to go. I'll say one thing and I'll 
are the woods where the mall is now. This is all woods. And what I'm walking on now is the mall parking lot. The mall was right over there past that clump of trees. And this, this stream here, is what they built Lynch's on, Lynch's restaurant. The stream went underground. They fill it in. But this is what it looked like originally. And it might go back to looking like that, eventually. An endless cycle. Man, the mall's busy today. Yep, people love the mall. They will always go to the mall. The mall will always be here and it will never die because people love it and they come here all the time and spend their money. It certainly is busy. You know, they're building a restaurant in the parking lot. What? Yeah, they're building a restaurant in the parking lot. I'm thinking about applying for a job there. A job at a re You've never worked in a restaurant. Yeah, but I have a lot of experience in restaurants. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, if you do something a lot, you gain some knowledge. Yeah, like if you've had a lot of surgeries, you could probably be a surgeon. Yeah. No, you don't know one thing about working in a restaurant. Well, I will. You're listening to Mall Radio. All the songs that make your shopping a day to remember. Who doesn't like going back in time? Let's jump into the musical time machine and let us take you back to the good old days. So settle something for me. You used to work at a restaurant called Lynch's in the parking lot of the mall, right? Oh man, I had so many jobs. Remember when I worked at that uh, little kind of mini putt-putt place? Oh my God, what a terrible job. No, 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 no. I mean the restaurant that was in the parking lot. Yeah, man, I worked at so many restaurants. Right, right, but you specifically worked at Lynch's in the parking lot of the mall, right? Mm. Probably. I was watching one of those old reruns. Well, I say reruns. Of course it's an old rerun. It's from 1980 of The Tonight Show. It's a brand new Tonight Show from 1980. That would be brilliant if they could do that, but they can't. That's the way that time works. I was watching one of these Tonight Shows from either 1980, 1982, something like that. And the last guest was consumer advocate David Horwitz. And he came on with some items that he didn't like and things like that. But he was also talking about a specific ad for cereal. There was a type of cereal called some cereal, 100% natural cereal or something like that. And apparently there was an ad going on where they'd interview people on the street and ask them what they had for breakfast. And they couldn't remember unless they had this particular type of cereal and he said boy this is crazy uh we went out on the street to ask people i think this product thinks that people are stupider than they are and people remember what they had for breakfast so they went out and they uh, asked people what kind of cereal they had for breakfast which is a leading question not everyone has cereal for breakfast they might have fish or marinated cucumbers or something like that not everybody has cereal so they asked, and they all said different types of cereals, usually brand names. And I thought, where is this going? Because a lot of those cereals were made by the same company that made the cereal, the ad that he was complaining about. But the fact is, people could remember what they had for breakfast. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes I can't. And this had nothing to do with consumer rights. I thought it was very strange. It had more to do with memory and the nature of memory. And I also don't remember seeing the original show, but I very well could have. So there's an interesting thing. If they were writing my biography, 
and I say they because it will take, I think, a team of people, um, or just one person, and that's their pronoun. So, but either way, um, they're writing my biography, and they say, well, he was alive in 1982, and he watched The Tonight Show, maybe fairly regularly. So there's a good chance he saw and was influenced by this David Horowitz appearance. And they put that in there. Now, I was, but not for 40 years later. Isn't that amazing? So it was just they got it right. They just, that's not when it happened to me. Because now I'm being influenced by it. But I've been thinking about memory a lot because the minute I started thinking about memory, some sort of meta-awareness happened. And I thought, well, there's nothing better to think about and to remember than memory itself. Maybe I will be locked in some sort of, you know, recursive echo chamber of memory remembering, and I won't have to interact with the world. And then it'll just be distilled, all my memories, just to a sort of hum like that and then it'll disappear into the universe it'll be sucked into a black hole then that'll be wonderful that's not a bad thing listen sometimes you remember uh, a shop being there like you just heard butchie remembered this restaurant being there and maybe it wasn't or maybe it was there for such a short period of time that it didn't have time for people to really sink in the other person appearing on this show, I, this was the 1982 show, I'm pretty sure, because there was lots of Falkland Island jokes. I also watched the 1981 with Jimmy Stewart, and I'll get to that. But the 1982 one also had Lynn Redgrave, and she was in a sitcom, apparently there to promote it, called Teachers Only. Isn't that wonderful? So it's a sitcom about teachers, and it was also starring Norman Fell. Now, I'm not here to talk about old sitcoms or something. This isn't the nostalgia hour. This isn't remember old 70s and 80s TV with Hardy. Oh, no. But I use it a lot as an example of things half-remembered. Because now I'm getting to the wonderful age where I don't really remember if something literally happened or whether it happened in my imagination. Because you end up telling a story so many times, you think, am I remembering the story or the event? Mm. Am I remembering being three or looking at a photo of myself at three when I was five? That's possible. So, also, opinions. Which one are mine? Which one am I echoing that somebody else told me or I inherited? I know that I did that with brands of soap, detergent, whatever kind of soap it is. If my grandmother used it, I felt that was imprimatur. I felt that it had the okay. It had the stamp of approval from my grandmother. Everything else was whack. All of the brands are whack. Peanut butter that happened too. Everything else you only use this one kind. And if you don't, you're the other. The whole Bible is like that a lot of times. The commandments are like that. You say, well, why do we do this? We do this because they do that. And that's a very interesting way to guide your life. You say, well, I'm different. Oh, my goodness. First of all, I'm so glad you're listening. You know, I, I don't take it for granted. I certainly don't. But on the other hand... I try not to worry about it because it's paralyzing. You know, if you imagine if I was, if radio was like, uh, theater was like radio. So I'm just I'm talking to you on a stage and you listen for a while and then you just kind of wander off, like in the middle of a sentence. And I watch that and I go, okay, there you go. Because it's this illusion of engagement on my part too that makes me able to continue. Me imagining that you're trying to figure out what I'm saying or we're connecting. That's important, too. If you were to walk away, I don't know what I would do. And that happens in the middle of songs for performers. They're doing a heartfelt performance. Very nice. But, you know, I don't blame the audience. They're not talking to you, really. You know, you really are just observing. So I don't even remember this sitcom. And then they showed a clip from the sitcom, which sometimes they don't do. And it was wonderful because I don't remember 
any of it. I don't remember it ever happening. And it was so period. I thought this is lovely. AI is going to do this all over the place. Make an 80s sitcom. Here's the people. And you just cast it with people who were never in it. But maybe it could happen. That kind of thing. Adam Arkin was in it too, but he didn't appear in this, in this clip. And I thought this is just so perfect to me in a way. Just because it's disorienting. Not because it's a fulfillment of some wish. I don't have that. My, usually my wishes involve, could everything that I expect be not how I expect it? I love that. I don't want to see in the future. I want the future I see to be not true. Exactly. I like to be surprised. I don't mind it. Otherwise, I might think that I'm making things happen. It was 1980. And Jimmy Stewart is on. Everybody does Jimmy Stewart impressions. It was an older one. And it was a, in his late 70s, he was talking about going on a, a photographic uh, safari with his family. And he went on this photographic safari, and they lost a movie camera, 8 millimeter Super 8 movie camera, and uh, hyenas ate it. And so I wrote a little poem about it. I, I'm a camera. And you left me outside. I wanted to, wanted to run, but there was, I was looking around there, and there, was no, and there was nowhere to hide. It was like that, and he went on for a while, and it was really nice. I love that sort of poetry. I like poetry where the, uh, it's my favorite thing. I'm just going to try to improvise one for you and to give you an example. Um, and that is where the only thing that really matters is that you get to the rhyming word at the end of a line, that it can be absolutely as long as possible. So, um, uh, they brought me along so they could photograph. I gotta think something that rhymes quite good. Hang on a minute. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think of a. Because I was gonna say elephant, and I go, man, you just set yourself up to rhyme something with elephant. It can be done, but. Um, they brought me along so they would have some more fun. Well, they left me outside uh, after they had photographed a lot of the things and uh, run around and spent the day looking at the animals and forgot about uh, me and setting me down when they were done. Like that. So I really enjoy that. How many syllables can you get in there? Um... That's why if he was going along to the beat, maybe it'd be problematic. But uh, anyway, I'm listening to this, and, and people were loving it, and I was kind of loving it, too, because it was a little bit, it was a notch better than hearing him talk about he, how he just shot a, uh, I think a made-for-TV movie called Mr. Kruger's Christmas, spelled just like Freddy Krueger, but he's an old man, and he wants to experience Christmas, and, he, and, the Morbin, and it's made by the Mormons. So he goes and he conducts the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and then he sees baby Jesus and all that kind of thing. It's very touching. And I have no memory of that either. And I love it. Oh, it's beautiful. Because it can be inserted in there, because now it's because it's period, too. And I, I, know, I, I think I could be kidnapped, and they would play some disorienting static or something, strap me to a chair, and it's just like clockwork, clockwork orange. Um, call it mid-century clockwork orange furniture. And they put me in this den, and it looks like the 60s. And they show me TV that never happened, but it looks authentic. So they have Captain Kangaroo sort of saying things to me, you know, Oh, you know what you ought to do? It's Captain Kangaroo after his... Bob Keeshan had, I think, a quadruple bypass or something. And it got kind of weak. There was an audible wheeze um, to his voice after a while. I wonder what's going to happen to me. And uh, like that, it was nice. It's even nicer on radio, isn't it? Any kind of lip smacking. There was a famous... Uh, Bless his heart, really. A fellow that was on public radio for a long time. I'm not going to say his name, 
but he had one of those variety shows, and he would he'd, uh, he'd give these uh, stories, you know, and it always felt to me like I was hearing too much of his mouth, that it was, it wasn't, I wasn't just hearing the words. I was hearing them being formed in a sort of miasma of sticky liquid and, and flesh, uh, and just coming off all this hard enameled bone and uh, instead of just the story it would be distracting to me I was really hearing the way it was said instead of the content and I do that all the time we do that all the time the other day I was thinking I should go and just look through the internet about maybe comments people made about me why well because to make me feel like I want to die no <laughs> okay but that's the don't do it. No, it doesn't make you want to die, but it's just a, you don't, it's a, it's a, gosh, it's like looking for, I wonder if there's any naked pictures of me out there. You don't really want to see that, you know, just pretend there isn't. Pretend people aren't talking to you about you. I can't imagine if it's that, as in show business or something, and you want that, you go, know, let's see who's talking about me today. For me and a lot of friends like me, that's just your absolutely greatest fear. Then why are you on the radio? Listen, friend, I don't know, really, 100%. It's just something that happened. I like it. It's what you do, you know, you get good at something, maybe, for the wrong reason. For instance, I'm a bit of a loner, kind of. I like to be alone in a room, and that's how I like to perform. And I didn't know, you know, when I started, uh, well, I did know that, that because I was acutely aware of radio and and recording and stuff like that. That's what I wanted to do. And then people listen, you know, like, oh, maybe I like that. Do that, do that here, do that for friends or something. Then you do it, and now everybody's listening in, and it's a, a few degrees more terrifying. But it's what you want, right? I guess it's what I want. I don't know. I was a little kid. That's a thing, too. I think that about tennis players. And I was never a prodigy or anything. So the thing I loved to do, I didn't get to do until I was old and couldn't appreciate it. But let's say it's tennis. And they make you play tennis as a young kid. And you play it relentlessly. And you know you're going to be good because there's nothing else you do. And you just keep going. You get better and everything. You're good. And now, but you hate what you do because you, you haven't really wanted to do it since you were little. And now you're a totally different person. So, you, you know, I don't... People that kind of quit sports and go, okay, now I'm going to go sell... Pipe fine furniture or something. I don't know. I'm just picking something one of the Miami Dolphins did. I'm Gary Abramian. I used to kick for the 1970s Dolphins. Now I'm a spokesman for pipe fine furniture. Yes, it's furniture made out of PVC pipe. Strong and durable. You can keep it outside year long. long. And look, it looks good too. It looks like pipes and everything. You can also shoot your waste through it. Shoot sewage through your chaise. I can say all that without getting any liquid on the microphone. That's for being a professional. And also I have a lot of mustache going right now and that filters a lot of it out. I don't even need a windscreen on the mic because I got a windscreen on my lips. And so it keeps it from, I won't hit those S's so hard. I do have a fascination with, as do tens of millions of people, with sort of empty, abandoned spaces. Because they say something about memory and the past and everything. That evidence, evidence for something that you don't remember is a wonderful thing. Or, well, there it is. You can't deny there was a mall there. You know, I don't know what went on, and I might not have gone in it. But there it is. It still stands there. Once it's gone, and I've seen that too, where they take down. Here they did that. They had a, uh, here, where are you? Right where I am, in my town. They had an abandoned mall. And they finally tore it down, like raised it. And uh, there was an empty field. <sighs> and that's amazing, seeing something that used to be a big mall. You look at the mall, you can't see it from every angle at once unless you're in a helicopter or something, right, or a satellite. Or... So you just see uh, parts of it. It's blind man on the elephant kind of thing. And so you, you're never going to see the whole thing. Then they remove it. And you can see the whole field. You see the whole field it was in. All the acreage you can see because it's flat here. You see the boundary because you have to 
more or less put them all on flat. And then you can see it all right through walls. It's spooky and amazing. And so there was an abandoned mall there, then there was a field, and now there's a medical complex. And it kind of looks mall-like. And it's where I go for different medical things, or I've taken people there for minor surgery, or when they put a thing up your rear and everything, look around, that's where you go. That's where I got, went to get my glasses. My eye doctor is. Um, I think my teeth is there. They just moved there. And it has the same name as the mall. I mean, they don't call the mall part, but they call it the same name as the mall, as the mall that was there. So, you know, let's say it was Johnny Jump Up Mall. Now it's Johnny Jump Up Medical Facility. Isn't that interesting? And it's been transformed. And I imagine people sitting there just about as they're getting anesthetized. I almost said euthanized. Getting anesthetized. Euthanized is when you get anesthetized too much. Overzealously. Or incorrectly. So uh, I'm thinking, what de- I wonder what department of Macy's I'm in laying here. Am I in the coat area? Would you normally get a coat and now I'm getting a colonoscopy? Could be. And uh, if you could go back in time and lay there, take your pants off in the coat department and say, what are you doing, sir? I'm ready for my colonoscopy. They would arrest you. And you say, what? You're arresting me for being early? And essentially, yes, that's what's going on. But if they can't see that, if they can't see the future, then imagine their perspective. Oh, we all live in sort of different time periods, don't we? I mean, you might move to town late and never know what that was there. Do you know what used to be there? No, I don't know. I just, I've only been here 10 years. Oh, then you don't know. No, I don't know. But... I live here in the future when you don't live here. And you know what that's about to be? No. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to tell you because it'll freak you out what that'll be in the future where you're standing right now. Well, you just heard Butchie and uh, and the gang. Um, That does sound like a little rascals thing. Butchie and, I didn't say our gang. Say uh, Butchie and our thing. Uh. Costa, Costa something. I don't even know. So uh, they were thinking, you know, how they had different memories about what used to be in the parking lot of the mall. Now, I did work in a store in the parking lot of the mall. It was a, a miniature golf and video game store. And I worked there uh, as a young person in my late teens, early 20s. And it was a very interesting place to work and by interesting I mean hellish in a way I didn't I thought at the time I just didn't like work I go man they're right boy work is is really awful but then as I got other jobs that weren't absolutely dismal I realized it was pretty bad why was it bad it was bad for a lot of reasons one is people uh just there's just unattended children in you know, there's so many of them, right? And that's what, I mean, there's adults that go there, but not with their kids. It's a family place. You know, I felt like the adults were sending their kids off somewhere else so they could go there, and the kids were sending their parents off somewhere else so they could be there, so none of the adults were related to any of the children. And there was just so many teens, and then they'd have birthday parties, another dump-off-your-child kind of thing. And then I would have to dress up as a clown sometimes. I'd say, okay, watch these children, but you're going to wear something that does not command respect. So you're going you're gonna to wear an outfit that puts you on a lower social rung of the ladder than the itty-bitty child. And so it won't listen to a thing you say and might just physically assault you. And then when, when they see one of them do it, they'll all come at you. And then there's nothing you can do. You just have to let yourself be eaten by the insects. You just have to stand there and be hitting in the privates with an actual golf club and just take it. Because what are you going to do? You can't raise your voice. You can't say anything. Children, please. You could beg. I would just beg. You know, stop. And say, are children really that bad? You know, 
they don't have a lot of uh, ability when they're in a, a group like that to sort of do a 12 angry men thing where they go, the rest of you aren't being reasonable. Leave that clown alone. It's a human being. They're not prepared to say that. So when one of them starts, they all go. And the teenagers, oh, my word, they also are looking for a certain type of liberation and testing the limits of their power. And so I would come away, you know, just feeling awful about myself and the the work was hard and you'd get blamed for things. Every time something happened, it was you get blamed for it. Having a fight in the parking lot. You know, you call the I called the police one time and they blamed me for calling them. Because I called the wrong ones or not I don't even know. But it was just one of those things where you get yelled at constantly and you think, is this really what it's all about? You know, where's the owner? Why, why am I? I don't understand. I'm getting all of the uh, the negative, but none of the none of the positive. And so I learned a valuable lesson. What was that? Well, that you're going to probably tell these stories until you die, because you'll be working it out. And that's true. That's very true. I thought they'd be more lucrative. You know, you're reading. Uh, novels as you're young and you go I have crazy work things too I'll write them up and then I'll be published and then colleges will invite me to come speak and I will I will gladly come do a reading hello I've um, rehearsed this so many times and it's never happened so if you if you just indulge me a little bit I'm putting my glasses I'm putting them down on my nose and looking over them at all of you wonderful young student faces I'm so excited to be here and uh, talk a little about writing and my writing. And because I know that a lot of you are getting a class credit for this, or not maybe a full credit, but you're required by your class to be here, I feel really no pressure to be uh, entertaining or edifying or anything. I can waste your time, and I'm just going to let my ego spill out. I'm just going to vomit my self-centered arrogance on you. <laughs> like a, like um, Gallagher shattering a watermelon. <laughs> shatter, I don't know. Does he shatter? I guess he was dead. For a while, Gallagher was putting the watermelon in... Uh, in, in what in that uh, in liquid hydrogen or something or whatever, and they pull it out and they go bang nitrogen. That's it, and it would actually shatter because it's frozen. But then people were getting shards, watermelon rind shards in their face and everything. Somebody got badly, badly hurt. Um, Shamu did that. There was a Shamu show where the splash was so profound. This is at the at these aquariums where they they'll what they'll do is they'll go out and they will kidnap giant um you know aquatic mammals big whales and things like that. And they'll kidnap them, they'll bring them back and they'll put them in a little a little tank, you know, like a jail cell, see how they react. Because they have out in the wild they have miles, they can swim miles, they're it's wonderful. It's like, a, and then they take them and they'll put them in a little thing, and then um, to um, survive, you know, they'll they'll make them do things. So you have to jump up and jump down to get this small sardine. I know you used to swim out there and eat entire seals, and we have seals right there. You can see them from where you are, but you can't have one. But you get a little bitty fish if you belly flop. So they would belly flop and the water would come out and the same people that would sit in the front row of a Gallagher show were sitting there waiting to be splashed by Shamu. And they call them all Shamu. They, I think because they die, they'd lose like one a week and they'd have to replace them. So they go, they're all Shamu, they're all Shamu, call, call them all Shamu. And uh, so that, I'm going to get a letter so that this is why we need orcas in cages. Not, they're not cages, they're small tanks, sir. And we're studying them. That's what they told me when they abducted me, the aliens, the UFO. They say, you know, chill. This isn't a prison. People with really large eyes and tiny mouths and big pulsating brains need to see you for their knowledge about the world. How will they know how you work unless they stick things in your and different orifices and things like that? 
Now, we wouldn't know in the wild how you would react. So the splash came down from Shamu 8. They're numbered like kabuki actors. And the wave came out, and on the wave was actual Shamu. And the orca opened his mouth and ate the entire audience, everyone in the audience, and plopped back down, and they were all in the belly of the whale, just like the Jonah story, except for just one person in there. There was all these people, and they were screaming. They were crazy. And finally, someone said, listen, everyone calm down. And it was a child. It was a child standing there on the back of the orca's tongue, talking to all the screaming adults and say, listen, we were just consumed by a whale. We brought ourselves here to watch this and uh, the whale ate us. And there is nothing abnormal about that. And now this is where we live and we're going to have to get used to it. Why aren't we being digested? I don't know. I am but a child. All I know is that we stand here in the strangely hollow guts. There are no guts. That's what's... What's happened? Is this whale dead? I don't even know. Is it a puppet? Is this a gag? Is someone uh, put me on or something? And if you vomit us up on dry land, will I now have to complete my... Uh, prophecy? I have to go to the king and announce my prophecy? I don't understand what, what you're asking us to do. These kind of stories that, and you probably were raised with that story as well, are very confusing. So what does it all mean? You know, you might have seen something differently when you uh, were a kid going to one of these animal prisons. And I, a lot of us would not have contact with some of these animals if we had not seen them in, uh, in the worst state of their lives, and that is being kind. Some of them might not even be alive if it weren't for that. I, I thought that about Frankenstein. I'd say, you know, you know what? If I had Frankenstein's monster in front of me, I would say, you know what? You need to be grateful because you were just, you were dead. If it wasn't for Dr. Frankenstein, you would not even be here. All right? So you say, oh, I'm a walking corpse. Oh, I'm stitched together. Wait a minute. You're alive. And that's what matters. <laughs> and then he threw me, the monster threw me into the river where I belonged. I had no business telling him uh, whether he should be excited to be alive or something. That's why I don't do it with you. I don't say, you know, oh, you should feel this way. I have no clue. How would I know? how you should feel. My goodness, it's very difficult. Nine times out of 10, the person I'm listening to is going through immense struggles. Or maybe they're just between struggles, but it still doesn't matter, you know? It's hard, it's difficult. And I realize that, and I don't want to burden you with other things that you feel like you got to do or got to, you know, I got something extra I got to think about. So if I was, if, let's say this is a true crime podcast or something, and I'm giving you something to think about. Do you need it, though? Do you need something more to ponder? I like it as a puzzle. Yeah, but let's say it's true crime. <laughs> so is it, will it sink in at some point that the, the it's, uh, you know, have you gotten the lesson on suffering, or does it just need to keep, to keep coming at you, I wonder? Because it seems to me there's a lot of stories that are designed to teach us about life or human nature or culture or society. And I've got to say, just if the proof of the pudding is in the tasting, it tastes nasty. It's not working. It just uh, completely is not working. I've, never, I've always thought that about these wonderful stories. I say, look at the Bible, which I admire, you know, for its stories, all the things in it that show you how badly human beings can mess up. Because I personally think that most of it is that. Just showing you, like, oh, here's some awfulness. And people think they catch in the Bible in contradiction because they go, look at this. You know, the Bible, you're supposed to follow it, but then there's all this stuff in it that's bad. Yeah, because I think it's a, in some ways, it's a stark a picture of, of, of human nature 
So I do like, I like looking at it. And then I like looking at the terrible solutions that people come up with to either figure out how to counter the awfulness or live with it and everything. So sometimes I just look like looking at the mess that human beings create. So they usually get, they usually get right what's awful about things, but then they get equally wrong uh, what to do about it. So I realized that anything I have to say then would be doomed because I've done a little evaluation. I took one of those quizzes that says, are you an idiot or not? And I, I came out, yes, I am an idiot. So I'm not going to, and it was a really detailed quiz. It's ongoing. You start taking it in infancy. And then you just keep taking it, and you can check on the results just by self-reflection. And I go, whoops, boy, every time I thought I knew what was going on, it was just kind of coincidence or something. I am but a driven leaf. Boy, I'm just floating along there. I'm glad you're floating with me, though, because I tell you, I'm not going to deny something else. I've gotten joy from other human beings. I am frustrated with how temporary it is sometimes. I am frustrated with how... Sometimes we know the solution to our problems and there's nothing we can do about it. So we need to be together. Life is too short. You know, you say that to friends. You know, life is too short. We need to be together. All right. Let's try to make that happen soon. Yeah. We got to make that happen. We got to make this happen. We got to see each other soon. <laughs> and you know, and you always know the end of that, what the end of that is. So we, we know what brings us joy. Sometimes we avoid it. And sometimes we avoid things that just, uh, you know, what we think we don't like, which is what I learned from my ego surfing. I don't think I like that show. And then I listened to a little of it, and I liked a little of it. I like when I get my, my wish comes true, but it's still not enough, you know, because I was being, I aimed too low. Did you ever think about that? And you go, I just want someone to find a little bit of good in this show. And if it can help them for just a few seconds... A little bit of good for a few seconds, I'll be content. And then you say, this show helped me for just a little bit for a few seconds. And you go, oh, damn it, I've failed. Well, well, it is what I you know, said I wanted. But was I setting the bar too low? But I don't want to set it too high because I don't want it to come out. I don't want my wish to be fulfilled too high. I say, I wish this, I wish this show changed the world. And then it doesn't. And, uh, or then it does, let's say it does, and I don't want responsibility for that. I don't want to change the world. Will you change this baby? No, I think that baby's just fine. No, just wipe the poo off of it. So if that's what means changing the world, I'm being, I'm willing to take a turn wiping the poo off the world a little bit, but it's just going to poo again, so somebody else has got to do it. But there's no changing it permanently, I don't think. I mean, we all change the world, don't we? Oh, I've been changing things since I was born. But, uh, in a, you know, maybe not in a profound way, but uh, I don't think you want them changed in a profound way. This is a nudging operation. We must nudge the ship in a direction. And then there's other things that have to carry it there, like the wind and the currents. So ah, that's, where we're, that's where we're headed, my friend, and we're headed there together. And I'm glad we're headed there together because I do not want to sail the seas by myself. Oh, there was a fellow just rescued at sea. He was there at sea for weeks. He'd lost, he was working on a sailboat and it drifted off. And he had, guess what he did? I think he did exactly what um, Polly and Christopher had to do in the Pine Barren episode of The, um, the Sopranos. I almost called it The Simpsons. The Sopranos. He had to eat the ketchup packets. Man, these things are lifesavers. I'm thinking now, y'all, travel with ketchup packets. Ketchup packets, mustard packets, little relish packets. Polly had some Tic Tacs, which are sugar. And really, you could have maybe even a whole meal in your pocket if you're willing to just live off of envelopes. Oh, he also, um, he had bouillon cubes, which I think is brilliant. You know, they say, oh, don't drink seawater. But what if it has a bouillon cube in it? Then it's soup. And you're telling me you can't live off of soup? I don't know that that's right. Uh, for fresh water, he had a rag and it rained and he was able to drink the, uh, wring the rag water into his mouth for fresh water. So that's another tip if you're looking for tips. 
Um, gosh, I don't know how to survive, so I'm, I'm probably the last one to ask. Uh, again, you know, keep keep powdered things on you at all times. Abel, Baker, Charlie, Dog, Easy, Fox, George, How, George, How, George, How. This is George Howe, ladies and gentlemen. Today is an important day in history. I am talking to you on the miracle of radio, and a miracle it is, because it might not have always gone this way. Oh, no. Other possibilities loom. Other worlds lurk in the shadows, waiting to pounce if your plans are waylaid. You see, there was a chance radio might not have ever existed. And uh, there are those even now who insist it doesn't. George, is up, down? Is left still here? Is wide right? Now is later? Is there truth or not, George? Come on, you come on, because unless you do come on, and that is move forward in time, you will be trapped by the limitations of single possibilities instead of flying in a universe of endless worlds and realities, jumping from one to the next better than time travel, better than time travel, jumping from one possible world to the next. Is this something only in your head? No, that would be stupid. I can dream things, big deal. Jumping from one possible world to the next, one time, in quotes, to the next, is only interesting to me in reality. I don't know about you, and yes, it is possible. There are those among us now who live in other versions of this same world, living multiple lives in seemingly different times and places. Uh, hello, how can I help you? Hey, Don, uh, I need some coffee. Oh, hi, Hardy. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How's life at home? How's life at home? Well, I got butchers in my left, I got loot in my right. One of them's too loose and one's too uptight. They got problems now, I got problems too. But we are friends, still through and through. I'm lucky to have friends, I'm doing alright. I got nothing but love in my heart tonight. I'm going to stop you right there, uh, friend. Oh, thank you, Don, because really that's all the song I have. You know, it's so hard to write an entire song, uh, and many of them for every episode, so I appreciate that. Oh, no problem. Win-win. So essentially all I have to do is fall asleep with a cartoon on and then my brain will integrate that with reality and I will create another space, another dimension, a shadow space made up of real and cartoon and into that world I will introduce Lou, a real person and he will live in a world where time shifts from one scene to another without anything to connect them. In real life, we must experience all of these spaces between the scenes that matter, so to speak, the events that are significant. We see time as acts in a play, strung together with nothing really in between, just a sort of ordinariness, a sort of zombie-like state that we walk through in order to get to the next event, the time event. And when we read fiction, we always read it like that. One special thing that happened in time and in space, but not connected. I'm going to drop Lou into that. 
and he's going to think, I was just at the beach and now I'm in a car. It doesn't make any sense. Where are the bits in between? Where's all the space? If I took all the space out of music, it would be one loud noise. And some people enjoy that, and I don't blame them. It is sort of nice. But when something's not there, ooh, then you notice it's missing. I walked up to the grocery store one time, and I looked around for the bench that I always sit on. It wasn't there. Lou sits there with me. I turned to Lou, I said, Lou, look. He said, what? I said, what's missing? He said, I don't understand. I said, what, what do you see? He says, I don't see anything. And I said, more precisely, what don't you see? And he said, Jesus? And I said, well, that's many. Th All right. Well, that's not there either. But I was thinking the bench. Too short, life. I love you. 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 hurts to hear Charles Nelson Riley tell you that he loves you and he's long gone so he doesn't know but it's just nice to hear his voice say it um, so the next time you tell somebody you love them and then and then say <laughs> like that and maybe uh, gives more em emphasis uh, I'm gonna work it into any weddings I do so I tell you each other that you love each other and then we work on the Charles Nelson Riley noise together could you do it again, Hardy? I'll try. <laughs> it's fun to do like that. Um, that would be if I was going to try to intimidate somebody in the ring. I'd make that one a lot. Probably wouldn't work. They go, that's not as intimidating as you think it is. I go, well, if I had my, if this was Hattie Lidsville or something like that. Uh, it was called Hattie Town. Is that the same thing? I don't know. But uh, then my powers would intimidate you. Oh, I do love you, in theory. I'm sure I would love you if we knew one another. And certainly as a fellow human being, boy, I do get it. Oh, I understand. Mm, my goodness. Even if you don't. <laughs> so I do love you. And I want you to be uh, uh, tender to yourself. No one else has to know it, that you're being good to yourself. You can keep it a secret. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't destroy yourself. They've got an entire universe that's working at that. That's one job you don't even have to do. That's been taken care of. So you are free. You're liberated from having to destroy yourself. That has been outsourced to the rest of the known universe. So you just hang in there and you get what you do what you can. That's all I can say. Oh my goodness, you are listening. Who, who is this? First time listeners asking. This is Hardy White, your new friend. The person that you didn't like the first time you heard them. But now you're like, oh, I guess that's okay. This shows different things to different people, believe me. I, I, I love that, though. It, it's called Miracle Nutrition. And the miracle is different people hear different things. And you're listening to it on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online worldwide at WFMU.org. Oh, my goodness, Freeform Radio, the way it was supposed to form freely. So uh, thank you so much for being uh, with me, listeners and commenters and all my good friends. And I will see you again next week.
ebony. Her name was mahogany. Twins' name was 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 ebony.